0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Husky Talk. We are your hosts, Garrett
1: Bates and Zane Witt.
0: Today, we are here with longtime musher, Al Ishans and
1: his wife, Tangela. Hi, Al and Tangela. How are you today? Good.
2: Good. Are you excited for winter? Yeah. <laughs> Do you got snow?
1: Not yet.
2: Oh, well, we don't have much either, so don't feel bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for being on our show this week. Oh, you're
0: welcome. Okay, our first segment of the show is titled, Who Inspires You? During this segment, we would like for you, Al, to tell us a little bit about who inspired you to get involved in the Iditarod.
2: Who inspired me to get involved in the Iditarod? Well, what happened was I used to live on St. Lawrence Island right next to Siberia. And the people, the elders out there, always talked about dog teams. And, you know, the next uh, place that we would fly into when I would have to to fly out to where I was living was Nome. Of course, the finish of the Iditarod. And I happened, my first race that I happened to watch um, was uh, uh, Dick Mackey when he won by one second. And so my inspiration came from the elders who always talked about traveling by dog team before the modern technology, before snow machines, um, you know, and and any motorized vehicles came around because that was their mode of transportation. So that always intrigued me and and stuff. And so I've always
1: I've always been inspired that way. Thank you for sharing. We are now going to move on to our Q&A segment.
0: Can you tell us what it was like growing up in the Aleutian Islands?
1: Well, I
2: grew up on a military base, so you know we had a lot of strict rules we had to go by. But um, one thing about it is, you know, we we were—I was always an outdoor person. I liked fishing. I liked hunting. Um, so being out in the Aleutian Islands, it's you know, and then having the history of of the war out there. Um, I was able to actually personally see what you know people read about uh, and then you know learning how to survive it's that's one area where we called it the birthplace of the winds and so I mean it we would have this time of the year we would get winds 100, 120 miles an hour you know so uh, it, uh, it it was just it was just a great you know, childhood, growing up and learning how to survive off the land.
0: How far were you from Dutch Harbor?
2: How far was I from Dutch Harbor? Probably 800 miles.
1: Al, how does your wife impact your race?
2: How does my wife impact my race? Well, she makes it easier for me because she's the one that keeps me in line and... and you know, she gets all, all the stuff, uh, you know, she has, she's, she's an organizer and she makes a list of what I need. Um, she sews all my booties for me. She makes my dog coats for me, um, you know, so she's a big, big part of my race. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be able to race. It's, you know, to work a job and, and try to train dogs and then try to remember everything. Uh, You know, and that goes with all of our volunteers, too. Uh, Not only my wife, but we have uh, a handful of volunteers that also are there. And and if it wasn't for them, uh, even for the race, we, we we wouldn't be able to do what we do.
0: Tangela, what do you do to help on the trail at home and with the kennel?
3: Well, for out on the trail, I usually try to get him to eat healthy. So I make, try to make him healthy foods. Um, and then just making sure he has everything that he needs going over his list. Um, sometimes he gets a little annoyed with me for going behind him, um, and making sure he has everything, but that's just the way I do things. Um, like you said, I make all the dog booties and make all the dog coats. I do a lot of correspondence with schools um, and the students when he is out on the trail, um, giving them questions, usually make daily phone calls to the schools or through emails and just kind of giving them the update on everything. So I guess it, it really does take two people to be successful. All
0: right. Al, does it help being older with more experiences on the trail? And could you tell us how this could help in certain situations?
2: Well, being older, you know, they say older is wiser. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I do believe that, you know, but training is, is your biggest help. If, you know, whatever you do in life, you have to train for it to be good you know, to be successful. Um, For me to get from uh, Anchorage to Nome takes a lot of training. Um, But, you know, that being said, you know, on your second part of your question there, how does it help me on the trail? What it does is I've had the experience of surviving up in the Arctic conditions. When I get to the coast, um, you know, a lot of times we'll have what they call ground storms. And you can't see anything. You can't even see the trail in front of you. So you have to know how to read the the terrain. Um, you have to know what to look for to get from point A to point B. Um, so you know, there's the the older you are, the more experience I think you have doing those things. Um, you know, but it it takes it takes doing it to get to gain that experience so you know it all goes hand in hand
1: where do you train your dogs and how many do you have
2: we train here in Wasilla Alaska Um, I actually uh, in the fall time here before we get a lot of snow I can do all my four-wheeler training right out of my house Um, and you know I can put miles on the dogs where we you know this time of the year we're trying to get them the endurance training to where we can build them up to run 50 60 80 mile runs at a time Uh, and then after uh, the snow comes of course then I've got too many driveways to cross uh, and roads to cross so it's a little dangerous so then I have to go north uh, to Willow Alaska uh, and uh, and then I actually train out on the first part of the Iditarod Trail
1: do you have a favorite dog?
2: Do I have a favorite dog? I have several favorite dogs, but, um, I've got, well, I've got 32 favorite, uh, 42? <laughs> 42, Ooh, I got 42 favorite dogs. So when I'm out on a race, they're all my favorite because if they're not my favorite, then they might get an attitude and not want to go, <laughs> but to be a, to pick one out of all those, um, I have a little leader who just had pups patches. Um, she just had four pups. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, that's probably my favorite leader. She's just a little lovable little dog that will do anything for me that I ask of her. And, and I don't ever ask her to do anything that, you know, I wouldn't be right there with her doing
1: also. Who is your oldest dog?
2: We have a dog named Holly. She's uh, she's also a leader. Um, is she 10? she's not Nine years old?
1: <laughs> Tangela, do you help train the dogs?
3: Um, no. <laughs> I help hook him up, and I help get him down the trail, but um, I leave that part up to him. I... Did take a team out last year kind of by accident, which was okay because it was a small team, but um, I just see how much power they have, and I'm old, so I don't want (laughs) to fall. But I have been in the sled with him when he has been out training, and that's a really, really awesome experience to be in if you all ever get a chance Uh, ride with a musher on a super, super cold night, and uh, that way you can see the stars and also the northern lights. It's pretty awesome, pretty awesome. So, yeah, I help hook them up, unhook them, load them up, but to actually get on the back of a sled or a four-wheeler, that's all up to Mr. (laughs) Al.
1: Do either of you have another job other than working at your kennel?
2: Yes. Yes, we do.
0: What is the challenge in training dogs and training for the Iditarod while having other jobs? (laughs)
3: Sleep. (laughs) Getting enough sleep and eating like we really should to try to stay as healthy as possible. There's just not enough hours in the day um alan actually has two other jobs besides trying to train the dogs and he has to travel back and forth to anchorage three or four times a week plus we have a business so um yeah probably sleep if we get an average of what four hours a night four to six hours we're we're doing we're doing really really well so uh, and it's just only going to get busier the more he trains so i kind of tease him that he's already preparing for the Iditarod as far as his deep his sleep deprivation goes.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. We research that you run for children with diseases. What got you into racing for this cause?
2: What got us into racing for this cause? Well, you know, like you say, yes, I do. I train, I, I dedicate all of my miles and we dedicate all our miles to pediatric diseases. Um, we actually have a friend of ours whose little girl. Uh, we've, we've known her since she was born. Uh, we've known her parents before she was born, but she was diagnosed at three years old with brain cancer. And, uh, she just turned eight years old and, uh, she, uh, she wants to be a musher, but, uh, and also at the same time, we met a, we met a a gal who, um, who had a little girl uh, that had a stroke at seven months old and it affected uh, both sides of her body, so she'll never be able to walk or use her hands. So, and a lot of people don't know about things like this. They don't know, you know, to to be persistent and, uh, you know, to talk to, you know, talk to doctors and keep pushing them to find out what's wrong because with the little girl who had a stroke, uh, and actually the the little girl who had brain cancer they thought that she just had a cold you know or had the, uh, a bug and they just wanted to give her tylenol and send her home but the parents were very persistent so we're trying to bring awareness to the fact that you know parents have a sixth sense about their children you know how your parents say you know they know when you're doing something right and doing something wrong well they also know when you don't just have a cold, so they, they we tell them to be very persistent in, in trying to find out, you know, and get an answer to what's going on.
1: What is it like not seeing your husband for 13 days and not knowing where he is?
3: Oh, I know where he's at.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear about
3: it. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It doesn't bother me because I know that he knows how to survive out there. Um, it worries me sometimes, well, say for instance, the first year that he ran, he ran with pneumonia. So he had pneumonia out on the trail. He'd also torn his shoulder up a couple of months before that. So he was running with a torn bicep and all of that. So that kind of worried me. But honestly, when he's out there on the trail, he's in his own element. And that's where he finds his peace and serenity. So as long as he's having fun um, and he's making good progress, then, yeah, I don't worry about him. When I see that he's starting to lag a little bit behind, then I'm wondering, okay, are the dogs getting sick or, you know, did he run into trouble? But honestly, to be worry worried about him, I don't because he likes it. And so, yeah, when he's doing something that he likes to do, it's like, okay, go.
0: Al, can you talk to us about your scariest experience you have had on the trail?
2: Well, that's a tough one because there's so many experiences. You know, the first year I ran, we actually had to start in Fairbanks and uh, to actually mush down the Yukon River um, as many miles as we did and then Go from Galena to Huslia, Alaska. Um, that was a trail that nobody had ever been on, um, you know, previously. So, you know, to be able to do that, and then like, like my wife, like Tantula said, you know, when when I'm out there at nighttime and the northern lights come out and they start dancing, it's those those are different things. Last year. Um, I happened to be coming, we were coming back from Houslia, uh down to Coyacook, and we were coming across the lake, and I caught up with another musher who actually was having some problems and was slow. But, uh, you know, I had noticed there was a lot of wolf tracks on the lake, and I made the comment, and when I went through some trees, all 16 of my dog's ears perked up, and they all looked off to the right, just before we popped out on the lake and when I popped out on the lake, there were four wolves out there. So um, you know something like that is, is you know those type of experiences I, I, they make it worthwhile. It just just being out on the trail and seeing seeing other people seeing the villages and seeing Alaska by dog team. It's, it's What's my scariest?
3: He doesn't get scared out there. I don't. <laughs> you know, I really don't have one. Mm-hmm. When you got drugged, probably was when you broke your foot. That probably was your scariest moment. Mm. Well, training, I've had some scary
2: things. I, well, like Tangela said, I had ripped my shoulder all to heck. I tore every muscle in my shoulder, um, ripped my bicep muscle off where they had to pull it back up and attach it to the bone. Uh, But just the scariest part of that was trying to hold on to a dog and still hold on to my sled while the dogs were dragging me down the trail and not let go. That was probably the scariest because if I would have let go, I was probably 20 miles from my truck. So it would have been a long walk. Um... That probably is maybe the closest to being the scariest.
0: Okay. Uh, we heard you hunt. We like to hunt, too. What are some things you hu- you like to hunt?
2: Moose, caribou, um, deer. You know, I like to go down to Minnesota, and, and, uh, and I hunt deer down there in Kansas. We, we used to go hunt deer in Kansas, but up here we... Uh, We go up to the North Slope all the way up as far as you can go north and uh, up by Prudhoe Bay and hunt caribou. Uh, And then uh, I also take, uh, we have a riverboat that will take 22 miles up the river and hunt for moose. So, and then if there's a bear shows up, then that's just an extra bonus.
0: (laughs) What's been the biggest or nicest animal you've shot?
2: Moose About
1: 1,500 pounds oh. wow. Special thanks to Alan Tangela For joining us on our show Special thanks to Hobo Jim For our theme song That I did rock
3: trail song